0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: It's Inside Clips of Football with LeVon Kirkland and Neil Vandvoort. Coming up, Clemson and South Carolina may not have played last week, but that did not keep me and LeVon from talking about the big game. LeVon gives us his best memories from going 4-0 in the Palmetto rivalry. Did the ACC make the right decision to cancel the Florida State game? We will explain why we think they did. We will preview this week's game at Virginia Tech and look ahead to a possible rematch with Notre Dame in the ACC Championship game and why we think things will be different this time around for the Tigers. Also, we explain why Trevor Lawrence is the best player in the country and how he should be the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. It's time to talk Clemson football with former Clemson All-American and Pittsburgh Steelers great LeVon Kirkland. But before we do all of that, the NFL season is hitting the backstretch. Mine and LeVon Steelers are still undefeated. Can they keep it going? Can they do the unthinkable and finish the season 16-0? If you do think they can, then what you need to do is go check out the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, LeBron man, welcome back, buddy. Uh, uh, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving last week with the with everybody and everything. I know you did like me. You probably watched a, a ton of football, didn't you? you?
0: You know I did. You know I did. You know I watched a bunch of football. And you know that that's the reason why I like Thanksgiving because football and Thanksgiving just really goes together. You don't have to really do any gifts. It's all about the food. It's all about sitting down and just watching the game and just getting fatter and fatter and I absolutely love Thanksgiving, what it represents. So, yeah, I watched a bunch of ball and it was you know, the only thing that was disappointing, I didn't watch the Steelers play. I was looking forward to that game. But, you know, the rest of the football was great and just having the time to just kind of relax and do absolutely nothing but eat ham and ham sandwiches was amazing. So I had a great time.
1: I, I did the turkey sandwiches. So yeah, I had a good time too. I had, had a lot of pie too, pecan and uh, pumpkin pie as well. Um, what was weird about last week, Levon, was the fact that Clemson didn't play its annual game against South Carolina. Uh, normally played that on Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, lately, that's been a Clemson feast, if you will, um, mm-hmm. against the Gamecocks. Um, how weird was it, man, watching football last weekend and watching Clemson play against Pitt, and not it not be South Carolina? It just to me, it felt it felt weird. I mean, I'm, I'm like you're born and raised in the state of South Carolina. You you get ready for that game every year. You, you you look forward to it. It's the Super Bowl in the state of South Carolina, if you will, and then it's not played. It just didn't feel right last week, you man. It didn't. Clemson was playing football, but it didn't feel like they were playing football because they weren't playing the Gamecocks.
0: Yeah, it was definitely different because, like you said, you're normally playing South Carolina at this point in time. And lately, as a Clemson fan, you look forward to it because it's been basically Clemson for the last six years that have been dominating. And you probably thought that this year would, you know, be the same. So yeah, it was a little different seeing those guys play Pitt. But honestly, it was great to see them play because it seemed like we haven't seen them play in forever. Mm -hmm. That Florida State thing was such a disappointment to me. And to see them back was great. But yeah, you know, not playing South Carolina was definitely a little different. And that's a shame because that's one of the, I, I think it's a great rivalry, even though maybe the last couple of years, the games haven't been close. But I think as far as, fan base is concerned and just all the hype and all the history that the South Carolina and Clemson game ranks right up there. One of the top rivals. So, yeah, it was a little strange not seeing them play, but Hey, at least we got to see them play. So that was a plus.
1: Now, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you because you played in the Clemson South Carolina rivalry. You, I mean, I just grew up around it and as a fan and I've covered it as a media man, but I've never played in it. You mm-hmm. played in it, you know, for four years part of it for five years during your redshirt year. A, what was it like to be a part of one of the oldest and best rivalries in college football? And then also to uh, – what was your favorite memory uh, from the Clemson-South Carolina game that you played in? Wow.
0: You know, when I, growing up, I wasn't really a Clemson-South Carolina fan, to be honest with you. I, I rooted for both teams, you know, didn't really care. But I'm going to tell you when I really stopped, I really didn't like South Carolina after they beat us my red shirt year in 87, one of my friends came over with the audacity to have a South Carolina flag on his car. And before they started playing them after Thanksgiving, we would play them like the week before Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And I was home for Thanksgiving break, just enjoying my family. He drives over with a South Carolina flag on. And the competitor in me it pissed me off, and I really did not like South Carolina after that. And I vowed that as long as I'm on the field, we're going to win that game every single year, and we end up winning that game every single year. But the coolest, uh, I would say, the coolest game we played against South Carolina was when we played them in '89, and we're 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 on a roll at that time. We won three straight. We're going to South Carolina. They were kind of banged up. Todd Ellis wasn't playing that game. And the seniors on the team convinced Danny Ford that we should wear the orange pants. Now we never wore the orange pants on the road ever, 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 ever. So we go out there and we're in what we call our business whites. And we're, you know, we're doing our warm ups. We come back in and the orange pants, orange pants are hanging up. And that locker room went crazy. And I knew from them we were going to beat them. I knew before that we were going to beat them. But I thought that, man, we're really going to pour it on them. And we went out there. And you could just see the energy. We were Our energy was just up. Theirs wasn't quite there. And they didn't match our intensity. And we ended up beating those guys 45 nothing. Uh, one of my favorite parts of that game is me and Wayne Simmons got a sack together. That was really cool. And just a celebration after that. That was kind of hype, so that was probably my best memory. But yeah, it was always fun playing in South Carolina, and especially playing them at Williams-Brice. I love going to Williams-Brice, and as much as I love Death Valley and winning games at Death Valley, there's nothing better than to go to Williams-Brice and beat them there. That that's like the best. And after that game, we started court. We started the phrase about rent money. Rent money is due. And so after that, every time we play them there, we always say it's rent time. It's time to collect our rent. So, yeah, that was probably one of my favorite games as far as the rival is concerned.
1: Yeah, the, the crazy part about that you mentioned the nineteen eighty seven game that was the unfortunate Rodney game, as everybody knows. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it was in Columbia. And um, the the crazy thing about it and the rival and you guys talked about the owning them and, and 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 the rent money you would ask for every time y'all went to Columbia. So, starting with you guys in '89, South Carolina beat Clemson just one time from 1989 to 2009. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Is that not crazy that Clemson owned South Carolina that
0: much during that time? Uh, 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 I did. I did not. I did not know that. Yeah. And I think they beat them probably in 1992 was the time they beat them. And then after that, it was in Death Valley. It, yeah, after that, we chokeslam them every single chance we got. They got a nice little run for a while, but we have been dominating that series. And if they would have played this year, I'm sure it would have been pretty much the same thing, you know, us beating them. Even though I think in a lot of ways, you know, their running game is a lot better than what it was. Uh-huh. Uh, they do, But their defense is not quite there. Uh, they've lost a bunch of guys, which is it's, – it's bad there. It, yeah. it really yeah. is bad. And whoever the next coach – coming in, they definitely have a rebuilding to do. They have to really put that program back on the map. Um, I, I think it's going to take a little while for that to happen. Then plus, your fan base and everybody has to be patient and let that guy build. And I know most people say, well, five years. I think that's not the case. I think you may it may be a seven or eight year uh, deal if you want to get to You know, if you want to get in the upper echelon of, you know, the conference, it's going to take more than five years
2: Mm -hmm.
0: to to get that done. So I think it really depends on where South Carolina wants to be. Do they want to be, you know, where they are? Then, you know, five years, you know, they'll win a few more games or whatever, and they'll be, you know, average. But if you're talking about being on the top, uh, get the opportunity to go to the SEC championship. It's going to take you about a good eight years.
1: Yeah, so if you go starting with the 89 season, um, mm-hmm. which you guys won 45 to nothing and what I still say is the most dominant Clemson win over South Carolina in the history of the rivalry – because you guys just wore them out that night, you really oh, did. Yeah. That it started with the orange pants and uh, Sparky Woods' famous quote. He says, "When did you realize the game was over?" He says, "When I saw him run out of the tunnel in the orange pants." <laughs>
0: <Wow. Yeah. laughs> That's you, he know, did. We, you know, you played the bully in that game, the whole game, and it wasn't like those movies when the bully gets it at the end. It was one of those movies. where it was a Greek tragedy. I mean, we beat them. And beat them. It was no, it was nothing that was going to save them that game. Nothing good was going to happen. They were not going to score after, you know, after the first series or so. I was just like, they're not going to score on us, and I, they probably won't get past a fifty-yard line. Mm-hmm. And that was probably so. And I think for, you know, especially back in that day, to score forty-five points, and we were mainly a running team, and for the team really not to get past a fifty, I think you're right, Will. And it's not because I play on team, but it is what it is. It was one of the most dominating games that Clemson's ever had over South Carolina.
1: No doubt. Um, that was fun, man. I could go down memory lane and talk about that rivalry and Clemson owning South Carolina um, forever. Um, we could we could do a whole probably three-hour podcast on We could do a series
0: that. of that, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: we could because uh, we both have a disdain for the Gamecocks and uh, – and it's fun to talk about, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Yeah. But but obviously we got other things to, to get to. And um, and I want to kind of ask you, Levon, you know, came out, uh, I guess it was Tuesday night, the ACC releases um, a press release to the media that they have decided to um, make this week's game for Clemson and Notre Dame the end of the regular season for both teams. Uh, they've, you know, decided that the Clemson-Florida State game will be canceled. Um, and they scheduled Florida state to play a couple other games uh, along with Clemson, Florida state being canceled. The Virginia at Florida state game was also canceled after what happened there this past weekend as well. So, um, and then they canceled the Notre Dame at Wake forest game as well to, so Clemson basically Notre Dame at that point was awarded a, a, a right into the AC championship game. And so they're, they're set, they're there. And then Clemson just needs to beat Virginia tech this week to uh, to advance to the ACC championship game, and both teams would get next week off. So I ask you, you know, did the ACC make the right decision here in canceling the Florida State game?
0: Yeah, they absolutely did. I, I feel that during this pandemic and what we're going through, I think conferences, commissioners, they have to be flexible, and they have to understand the dynamics of this whole thing, it, it it fluctuates from week to week. You really don't know what's going to happen. As far as business is concerned, for the ACC, it was the right thing to do. If you want to have a team in the championship representing uh, representing your conference, absolutely, there was no reason. I mean, I'm glad that they. they uh, what I'm glad that they did for for the fairness of Clemson is that Clemson also gets the week off and Notre Dame gets the week off. Mm -hmm. I think that's the right thing to do. And you already know who the top two teams are going to be. Who else is there going to be? Why play these games? And I think um, the ACC was very flexible and they understood that, hey, that's going to be our marquee game. That game is going to be the game that everybody is going to want to watch. So, hey, in this monster Frankenstein season anyway, hey, let's get rid of Wake Forest. Let's get rid of Florida State. Let's get those teams ready to play for the ACC championship and have a heck of a game. Yeah, I I thought it was the right thing to do. I think uh, anybody with reasonable sense would see that. Yeah, do you see where
1: uh, Greg Sankey of the SEC commissioner came out and he he didn't like what the ACC did? He thought it was – Wrong that they gave Clemson and Notre Dame a free pass to their conference title game without having to play another week. Did you did you see that response?
0: You know, sometimes people just need to. Like my grandmother and mother would say, sometimes people just need to mind their own business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he's mad because he didn't have to think of it first, R- right? Sometimes just mind your own business. You know, you do your, you know, you do whatever you do in your house, and let me do whatever I do in my house. And that's it. Don't be talking about what I'm doing. Just do you. And that is my cruel way of saying it. I'm not breaking it down like someone else would do an ESPN or something like that and try to be politically correct. I just think that mind your own business. You know, this is our conference. Now, this, you know, if it was together, it was an NCAA thing, it would be different. But it's by conference. And um, I get to kind of pick and choose what I do at my conference. And you're probably right. I'm just jealous. You ain't think of it first. Mm-hmm. And that's too bad. Maybe next time you'll think of it, but the ACC was proactive. They understand the big picture. And a lot of times that's what you, you want from authority is to see the big picture that sometimes it doesn't go Always the traditional way. Sometimes you have to change and sometimes you have to adapt to change. The ACC adapted to the change. They understood who their two best team was. And then they're going to put, you know, like, hey, we don't want to get this team banged up. And with this uncertainty that we have going around this country, if we can be safe, let's be safe. You know, totally. it wasn't like games were in the balance and you didn't really know who the top teams and the four teams balancing it out. It wasn't that way. You know, playing Florida State was a wash. It really was. Yeah. Um, and Wake Forest they, would have been that way for Notre Dame. And Wake Forest would have been the same way, you know. Um, unless somebody else was playing quarterback for Wake Forest or – Somebody else was playing defense. You bring back all those 90 guys from Florida State to play defense. Florida State didn't have a chance of winning. Wake Forest didn't have a chance of winning. Even Tim Duncan was playing football <laughs> for um, Wake Forest. They didn't have a chance to win. So there's no reason to waste that kind of resource. Waste, waste Really, you're saving money, to be honest with you. You want to save a little money, this is a good way to do it. You knew what was going to be the outcome. Hey, give those guys a break a week to prepare themselves and get ready to see the probably the best ACC championship you have seen in quite some time.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I'm with you hundred percent. I think the ACC made the right decision, as you know, not a surprise to us because we kind of broke that down last week that this is probably what was going to happen. So I don't know why uh, Sankey was surprised by it because, uh, you know, it was out there, reported it. I reported it. A couple other people reported it. This was going to, you know, be the case. And, um, you know, uh, you know, like I said, we had it on the Clemson Insider and, not yeah. surprised by the move at all, you know. Um, and so he should have seen it coming, and he had plenty of time if they wanted to do the same thing for Alabama and Florida. I don't think anybody would have an issue with it, to be honest with you. I, I really don't think anybody would have an issue with it if they wanted to say, "Hey, we're going to give Florida and Alabama next week off." I'll th- would you mind? I wouldn't
0: care. Yeah, you know, it's it's like when your neighbor or somebody gets a new car, and you're secure in yourself and what you're spending in your budget, and somebody's like, "Wow." The neighbor just got a new car. Your response should be like, oh, cool. Good for them. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're one of those jealous types, then you're going to like, I don't understand why they got a car and it was not necessary. That's the kind of response that the SEC commissioner did. It's just like worrying about somebody else's business, worrying about their lawn, worrying about the car in their driveway. If you're secure in what you're doing, you don't worry about that kind of stuff. You just say like, hey, we got uh, we got great teams on our side. Hey, let them do them, and we're going to do us. And I feel like you said before and like we put out there that the ACC did the right thing.
1: Hey, so you mentioned orange pants were worn on the road for the first time. You guys did it, 1989 mm-hmm. game. Well, learned today that um, thanks to Darian Renscher, who was on the ACC Network's uh, Packer and Durham show, he mentioned that um, – Clemson will be wearing orange pants a Saturday night against Virginia Tech, as Dabo likes to call. Uh, this is the championship phase of the season, and when they get in a game where they consider it to be a championship level game, where whether it's playing South Carolina for the state championship, whether it's winning a division title, um, so he considers this, I guess, to be technically a, like what would be a division title game that gets you into the conference final, conference championship game. So Dabo is breaking out the orange pants on Saturday at Virginia Tech. Um, and, you know, we obviously kind of spoke of what this means. This game means Clemson, if they win it. They're in the ACC title game, and we'll have a rematch against Notre Dame. Um, just your thoughts on Virginia Tech, this game, and, um, you know, what, what are you expecting from the Tigers um, as they head to Blattsburg on uh, – and you played in Blattsburg, by the way. I remember, I think, 1987 you guys played up there. Um, what what do you think about that uh, in '89 too? I believe. Um, yeah, we're playing '89. '89, 89 89. yeah. So, what do you think about this game? And um, you know, uh, you know, what's? I know the fans won't be there. They're only going to have two hundred people in the stands for this game. But what was your experience like in Lane Stadium? And then your thoughts on this game coming up?
0: Well, when we we traveled there, man, we were on we were on the highway or whatever they call it for like thirty minutes. I, I remember going to sleep before we got to the stadium, I, I was knocked out. So it took a while to get there. It was tough getting there too. I mean, it's not really an easy stadium to get to, but the atmosphere was um, amazing. They were, they were not really quite there yet, but they were a tough team. Mm-hmm. When you play Virginia Tech, you, you definitely got some hits yourself. Uh And I think they still kind of have that mentality. I I think Clemson is better than them. And I think with Virginia Tech, you got to focus in stopping their run. If you can stop the run against Virginia Tech, I I think you have no problems. And Clemson usually shows up against most running games. You know, they really usually do a pretty good job as long as they got guys like Tyler Davis that's back. (laughs) <laughs> boy, that was that was apparent, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, they, you know, they're they're better. Yeah, and I see them um, with that championship mindset going up there and handling business. And I tell you what, Trevor Lawrence looked really good for a guy who missed almost five weeks of not playing. For a guy to come back like he did, razor sharp, throwing the ball all over the grounds. I mean, he looked good. So I think maybe Clemson is really getting that swagger back, and this is the perfect time to get that swagger back at the very end of the season. I like the concept that Dabo does or Coach Sweeney does about wearing the orange pants. Mm-hmm. And with, with young men, you have to do things like that. You have to do things that will motivate them to get them to, because they hear it all the time. We didn't hear it as much, but, I mean, with information all over the place, man, You hear it all the time about how great you are, how you're going to win. And you have to be careful with that, with all that information because guys, some guys will really buy into it and feel like, oh, we just got to show up. We're going to win this game. And that's never the case when you're playing football. You always have to do it on the field. And you always have to have the mindset that, you know, when we practice, we're training for that day. And I really feel that, Clemson's in the mindset right now that they're they're training for the game and they're ready to play the game and they understand what's at stake. It's another opportunity to go to the playoffs if they handle business. So I see them handling business and having a pretty good game against Virginia Tech. Will it be challenging at times? I'm sure it will be. I'm sure Virginia Tech will come out with a lot of energy. But you know what I always say, Will, when you're playing the team – that's not as good as you are. You need to take them out early. Mm -hmm. Just like they did with Pitt. That's like with what they did with Miami. You need to let, you need to establish that you're the better team and that you're going to get a, you know, and that we're going to whoop you plain and simple. Yeah. And I feel like the Tigers will do that this week. You know, you, you mentioned Tyler
1: Davis being back in Skalski. And so, you know, me being the nerd that I am, um, Broke it. kind of went down and broke down the numbers. Okay, so in the four games Tyler Davis has played, Devon, Clemson is allowing just 66 yards a game rushing. And here's the big number on that, less than two yards per carry. That is amazing numbers. Those two numbers just stand out like, whoa. I mean, it's not – I mean, Pittsburgh ran the ball 24 times for 16 yards last week. Wow, <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. they tried to run it 24 times, and they only got 16 yards. I mean, that's that's how good – and you go back and look at all the games Tyler Davis has played in, nobody can run the ball on Clemson when he's in the game. Nobody's been able to run the ball.
0: You know, I'm sure you think this too, but he just reminds me of Jared that was at Clemson a while back, and that's a phenomenal player for the Atlanta Falcons. And if Grady Jarrett would have been like maybe six foot or six one, been number one player off, off the, well, not number one player off the board, but he would definitely been a first
2: rounder.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, he wouldn't have slipped as, you know, in the fourth round. But yeah, Tyler Davis is that type of dude. And, it's, and he's a linebacker's best friend because what he does is he established the line of scrimmage. And he's going to either you better double him or he's going to make the play. Mm -hmm. Or he's going to make penetration in the backfield that's going to cause havoc on the quarterback and the running back who's running the ball. Running backs normally don't run to a wall of people. And he creates a tremendous wall. Great push up the middle. He, He does great push up the middle. Guys can't handle him. And that's a problem, you know. And running backs definitely don't want to get hit by them. They will redirect the path of where they're going. And he does what good defensive linemen do. He just caused havoc. You know, he may not make the play all the time, but he definitely caused havoc. And a lot of times, it's not about you making the play, but it's about you causing confusion. And sometimes it's about you taking on blocks and you're cleaning it up for your teammates. And I think he does a great job of doing that. So his presence is always felt when he's not in the game. It's like for you can almost lose anybody else on that defense. And you're still going to be pretty good, decent. You know, mm-hmm. I think when you lose Tyler Davis, it shows it may not show in the fourth I mean first quarter, but it's definitely going to show in the fourth quarter.
2: Yeah. So
0: that's the that's that's why he's so valuable. And then with the other pieces that you got, you got a dominant defensive line, so really glad that he's back in the game. Yeah, and,
1: and another stat with that with him and uh, in the passing game because I just talked about running, but in the passing game, he you know it's not going to show up with him because he's a defensive tackle, and you know um, it's not going to show he's going to have a lot of sacks and tackles for loss, but he creates a lot of those things. And so, for an example, um, in the four games he's played, Clemson's got 21 sacks. In the five games he hasn't played. Clemson has only fifteen sacks. I mean, that's. I mean, that right there tells you he's he's almost two more extra sacks a game, and so that what what does that mean? Well, because of the way he, like you said, he brings on double teams, the way he collapses a pocket, it causes the defensive ends and the linebackers to be able to flow to wherever the quarterback's coming. Because so that's why he's going to be so big if they do play Notre Dame and he's healthy as he looks like he is right now, and they play that game in a couple weeks and he's playing in it, it's going to affect Ian Book. I'm telling you right now, it's a totally different game for Ian Book because there's things that he did against Clemson in that in that first meeting he's not going to be able to do with 13 out there.
0: No, he really isn't. And like we said before, a lot of times when you're – people are into sacks, and I get it, but really, as a defensive line, you want to make sure, especially the two inside guys, the three technique, the one technique,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you just want a good push up the middle. So you can, you know, so that quarterback and what you saw Book do the, the, is he stepped in the pocket in the passing lanes. Mm-hmm. And those passing lanes were not restricted enough. So he was, because that's really his game. He's not the greatest passer in the world. He's a runner. So What he does is if you're in a third and five situation or third and eight, he can escape and now it's fourth and one, or it's another first down. That wears down the defense. Now you got Tyler Davis back. Now there's a significant push in the middle. Now Ian Book can't just step up. Now he has to step around. He has to go through some trash. And now you got the the, the rush closing in on him, and it's really frustrating for a quarterback. The pressure of the middle is always – the thing that quarterbacks do not want to see. And so if you can get that and you can bring that to the table, which Tyler does, it makes everything else around it easier. It makes uh, coverage easier. Um, Whether you're talking about underneath coverage or deep coverage, it just makes things easier. Now if you're a defensive end, you understand that because you got that push, now you don't have to get so far up the field that he's going to flush it out to you now, now you can make an easier play. Because Book likes, he scrambles. You saw in the North Carolina game,
2: mm-hmm.
0: he just got away from a lot of, they had chances to sack him. They couldn't make the play. So if you can cause pressure up the middle against him and not allow him to step up in his passing lanes, he's not as effective of a quarterback. He really
1: isn't. No, there's no doubt. And, you know, if you go back to the, 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 Cotton Bowl a couple years ago and why he was so ineffective in that game compared to this one yeah a he's more developed and he's a better player right now but b also Christian Wilkins because Dexter Lawrence wasn't playing so Christian was playing more the nose in that game and Christian dominated their center just was constantly just pushing the guy straight in and um, I remember Albert Huggins also played a great in that game as well and, and caused a lot of problems and because of that, he was running for his life, and, and and he was running left or right. He wasn't, like you said, stepping up into the running lanes where he had outlets. His outlets were closed up because of what was going on up the middle. That's what he's going to do. And then you put Breezy in there, now who's getting better, and he's getting smarter, and you put him alongside Tyler Davis, like we saw against Pitt. Yeah. And now you've got these two guys on the field. And, oh, by the way, you're finally getting Xavier Thomas back, and he's a beast, and he's showing that. And this guy named Miles Murphy, who's as talented as anybody we've ever seen at the defensive end position. And now these all four guys are playing together for the first time all year, had six sacks against Pittsburgh, held them to 16 yards rushing. Um, They were harassing the quarter. There's a reason why he threw four interceptions. I think – you know, I'm not saying you're going to see a similar domination like that, but you're going to see something where Clemson's going to play well up front, and Notre Dame is not going to be able to do the things they did in the first game. Uh, against clemson when they get to that rematch so i know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because they got a game this week and and, you know and clemson's got hey look virginia tech the the only concern i have people have asked me what worries you about this game this week and the only thing that worries me about this game are two people um you don't worry about any of the receivers you don't worry about them throwing the football they only complete 60 percent of their passes are barely 200 yards passing so you're not really concerned about anything on the outside they may get something deep every once in a while, but not anything that you're consistently you're worried about them. But they can run the football. They average 250 yards a game rushing. Hendon Hooker, their quarterback, runs the quarterback run as well as probably anybody in college football. And then they got one of the best running backs in Herbert. As Brent Venables said this week, I wish he would have stayed at Kansas. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. So um, those two guys can cause some issues, uh, but having Tyler Davis back makes you feel a little bit better. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I think anytime you're talking about stopping the run, it has to be emphasized that guys have to make sure they're doing their job and making sure, especially against an RPO, or a quarterback who likes to run, making sure that whoever has a quarterback is very disciplined as far as assignment is concerned. The, the good thing about stopping a run game is a collective effort. It's never just one guy attacking a run. It's everybody. And as long as everybody is covering those gaps, and if you understand what type of runner you're going against, and that's a little bit more advanced, but if you can understand what he's trying to do as a runner, it makes your run defense a lot better. Now, the one thing I think that Clemson really does have is they have smart inside linebackers.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, those guys, they may not be the most athletic or whatever, but they're smart, they can run, they can move, and you can work with that. And you can, you know, the running game, if you, if you can't stop the running game, it can be tough on your defense. But if you can get after them and now you make it a 14-point game, now they have to get out of what they like to do best. And that's what you're always trying to do when you're game playing against someone. You're trying to get them off their game. You know, if they run the ball well, then you stop the run you make sure whatever run plays they do because it's probably really about five runs they actually do they may dress it up a little bit and try to disguise it but normally people run the same type of runs they just try to mask it they try to make sure that you just don't beat up on it you know nobody's running the I or the you know <laughs> they're not running split backs or anything like that you know, they're trying to change it up. They're trying to make sure your eyes are all over the place. But honestly, they're still probably running the zone. They're probably still running the counter. You know, they're running some type of lead or something like that. So the runs are the same to just try to disguise it. And I think if you can, if a team, if that's all they can really do is run the ball and you can stop them running. And plus, you have a offense that's dynamic as Clemson's offense is. You get them behind, now they can't just run the ball. They have to do something downfield. And I can understand your concern about that because, yeah, nobody ever wants to get run on. But I'm telling you, as a as a coach, I'm like, we know what they do. We stop them what they do. We get them behind the sticks where they have to pass the ball. They're not as effective. They're just not. Mm-hmm. And that's why you always want to be diverse as far as a – offense is concerned you don't want a defense to just beat in on what you're doing even if you're a passing team you don't want to be like just a passing team because guess what the defense understands what you're going to do and what you do best and we're just going to take it away so Venables have done he's he's done a, a tremendous job of taking what you want to do away and I feel like if Clemson does that then you know you never want to take a team for, you know, take a – you know, just really overlook a team. But I really feel that, hey, you take away what they do and make them do something else. And I think that would be the case this Saturday.
1: Yeah, and before we move on again – move on, I want to say this too, that I'm going to go ahead and predict this because I think it's overdue and I think this is a great matchup to do it. And I think we saw the offensive line last week get a little more physical um, against Pittsburgh where they kind of took away – I didn't see much zone blocking. I saw a lot of downhill blocking um, by the Clemson offensive line um, where they just kind of went man on man and just, Hey, you beat your guy in front of you. And they did. Then they really against a very good Pittsburgh defensive front. um, They rushed for 147 yards against a team that's only given up 88 yards a game rushing. So that was really, really good for the Clemson. Um, And then I think on three of the four touchdowns there, they ran for four rushing touchdowns, three of those four, Travis and J weren't even touched. I mean, just they just walked into the end zone. Yeah. You know, you know, like a like a Mack truck went through there. So, I think this week, knowing that Virginia Tech struggles stopping the run, they 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 have issues up front on their uh in the middle of their defense. I think if Clemson just does what they did last week, I think Travis Etienne's can go off, man. I think this is the weekend. We see those 60, 70 yard runs, and he goes for close to two hundred, maybe, maybe three touchdowns. I just got a gut feeling number nine is going to break out in the running game uh, this uh, this Saturday,
0: man. What what are your thoughts there? Well, I, I like your gut feeling. You know, you know they they say that the gut is connected to the brain as mm-hmm. far as thinking is concerned. That's why you have a gut feeling. It kind of it is a part of that thinking mm-hmm. process. So I like your gut feeling. Yeah, I I like the fact that – and this is about adjustments, and and that's what you do as a coach, you know. If you – hey, we need to do this instead of this. And I like that Clemson is going more downhill. And that's great for a running back like Travis because I feel like you give Travis um, full steam ahead and he's he's on that second level – He's totally dangerous, man. Travis is a guy that once he get to that linebacker level, untouched. I'm saying mm-hmm. he can always take it to the house. And those are the kind of running backs you hate to go against because he can make the routine play a spectacular play. This guy is powerful. He's strong, uh, hard to tackle. Really, probably not that easy to see if I'm if I'm playing linebacker. Sometimes, really. And when he gets up on you, man, he's up on you. So, yeah, I, I like – I think this will be the game because you got a team that's not that great against the run. They have to probably put extra people in the box to even be effective. You, you still – with a guy like Travis, you still run the ball out. Mm-hmm. And you, you run the ball enough that your play action pass, your RPOs can be effective. But also, you wear people down when you can run the ball off. Trust me. I mean – when a team can run the ball, you can know exactly what they're running, and you still can't stop them. And I can see the Tigers doing that this week, saying, "Hey, we're going to line up, and we're going to punch you right in the face. What are you going to do about it? That's right, you can't do anything about it. So we're going to do it to the fourth quarter and until um, the game is over with. So I think this is a good way to establish, you know, the dominance that Clemson has and you know the weapons they have. I mean. Between Travis and Trevor, man, you got two guys that are that are men playing amongst boys, and I think that this is a week that you go out there and you establish yourself as a physical dominant team. Mm-hmm.
1: And and remember, football this time of the year when it gets cold and it gets you know like this, you know, Clemson's going to be away from home for the rest of this year. You know, so if they're going to win a national championship and all the things that Clemson fans wanted to do. There's two things you got to do that travel. You got to play good defense, and you got to be able to run the football because those are the things that travel. No matter what the weather is, no matter anything, no matter if you're playing in a dome or nothing. Defense, good defense, and good running game always travel, and that's why it's going to be big for Clemson to kind of get that going this week. And um, you mentioned him earlier, man. um, How he came out on fire the other day, uh, Mm -hmm. and and that was uh, Trevor Lawrence, and uh, you know he just he. He didn't look like a guy that had been off for five weeks. I'll tell you that. He really didn't. And so, earlier this week, Dabo Sweeney was asked about, is it kind of frustrating that, you know, Clemson, you know, doesn't have a Heisman Trophy winner? And, you know, and Dabo said, and I like Dabo's answer, he's like, well, you know, we're really not worried about Heisman Trophy winners at Clemson. We're worried about a team goal, not an individual goal. And we worry about winning championships and things of that nature. So, because then he says, if we wanted – a Heisman Trophy winner at Clemson, we'd already had one. And he's talking about Deshaun Watson, I'm sure, Um, because, you know, we can go out there and pad stats if we want to. We can go out there and and, and make sure he's in there getting the stats he needs because it seems like that's all this award's about, he said, is it's about stats. And um, he says, so if we wanted to do that, we could. He says, but that's not what we do. That's not what we do at Clemson. And he says, however, you can't tell me that Trevor Lawrence isn't the best player in football. He says, you can't tell me this guy will not be the number one. He says he will be the number one pick in the draft, and it won't even be close. He says, so how can that guy not be the most outstanding player in college football when everybody else considers him to be the top pick in the NFL draft? I like that, Badabo. That was a good way to say, I got my guys back, and if you guys stop looking at stats and actually pay attention, and he actually even said this. He says, people who know football, they know Trevor Lawrence is the best player in the country. And that was him kind of calling out some of these
0: Heisman voters. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. If you, if you have eyes, and you understand the game of football, you understand that Trevor Lawrence, even if he missed two weeks of playing, is still the best prospect in football. And it's not just, oh, his potential, his production has also shown that this guy can get it done. Absolutely. He was probably, to be honest with you, one of the best players when he was a freshman. This guy is advanced. He is that good. It's not hype. Is this guy, if you were building a quarterback, maybe the avatar that you use to build a quarterback. Mm-hmm. To miss as much as he has missed, to come back, and I don't care who you're playing, most guys are a little rusty. He came back and I mean he was throwing with I mean razor sharp accuracy. He was. And, you know, as far as stats are concerned, I, I think I think Dabo has a point. I think they really wanted to push him for the Heisman. It could have been, I mean, he'd definitely be the Heisman. But Clemson has perspective. They're about winning championships. That's what it's all about. Trevor understands that he knows that everybody who I know, me and you know, that mm-hmm. that this guy is absolutely hands down the best dude on the planet. When it comes to college football, <laughs> you can talk about these other guys all you want to tell. They don't hold a hand. They don't hold a candle to Trevor and his ability. They just don't. Mm-hmm. They just, I mean, if you're really honest with yourself and you're not biased, and I don't think this is a Clemson um, show, we're not being biased. We're just telling you like it is. And I'm sure we will always do that. We would tell you like it is. We'll tell you up front, if Trevor wasn't the best guy, we'll, we'll say, well, I don't know if he's the best guy or not. But Trevor Lawrence is the best guy. He just <laughs> – Clemson really should have two Heisman trophies.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Deshaun Watson basically got screwed because I've never seen a player who went undefeated in a year up for the Heisman as a quarterback and loses to a running back. That don't happen. I'm sorry. That doesn't happen. He got you know, a team screwed. To a running back on a one-loss team. Yeah, he got he, screwed. He got screwed. Mm-hmm. He got screwed. And then the Lamar Jackson thing was just a little everybody already put Lamar Jackson ahead because of one performance against Clemson. And they just went, they just really jumped the broom a little too early on that. Trevor Lawrence is by far, he should win the Heisman. If you're talking about the most outstanding player in college football, he should win the Heisman. Forget that he didn't play two games. This guy is the best player in college football, but I'm sure the haters are not going to try to vote for him and say he didn't play enough games. And look at these stats that Matt Jones have, um, the kid from Florida. Is a thrash, thrash, thrash. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're going to look at look at the stats, but the stats doesn't, you don't. I know that people say numbers tell the story, but in this case, it doesn't. No, the numbers doesn't, you don't tell the story. Your eyeballs should be able to tell the story. Every time number 16 steps on the field is a different story. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, man, Trevor is deserving of the Heisman. He should win the Heisman. He may not win it, but he's still the best player in college football. He's been the best player for the last few years. And just in
1: case there is an Alabama or Florida guy out there listening and they're disagreeing with us, and that's fine. Everybody has their own opinion. But I'm going to ask you this question. Who's the best player – on the on the University of Alabama's football team, and if you tell me it's Mac Jones, you're lying to yourself because it isn't Absolutely. Mac Jones. It, it's, it's not. It's not even close to being Mac Jones. If you're looking at Florida and you say, if you're a Florida fan and you and I ask you who's the best player on the University of Florida's football team, you're not saying Kyle Trask. I'm telling you, you're not. If you do, you're lying to yourself because he's not the you best are. player either. He's not. But when you look at Clemson's football team, and it's already been proven. <laughs> Because <laughs> all you got to do is go to the Notre Dame game. Even though DJ had a great game, you could see Clemson was missing number 16. No question. Clemson, if you go to Clemson football team and you say, who's the best player on the Clemson football team, it's Trevor Lawrence. And again, and to give you Exhibit B, that throw to Amari Rogers last Saturday where he, he dives and catches the ball, that throw, where he threw it, how he threw it, and how he got his that ball where only his guy could catch it. And great coverage by Pitt, by the way. Mm-hmm. That was an NFL throw. That was a Sunday throw. LeVon, you know it. You've seen it. You've seen guys like that make those kind of throws. There isn't no other quarterback in college football can make that throw. Not a single quarterback in college football could make the throw that Trevor Lawrence made. And you heard Todd Blackledge talk about that during yeah. the game. Like, that's a throw nobody else can make.
0: Let me tell you something. I, like, I tell people the story. I, I saw Trevor when he was at the rivals camp mm-hmm. and he was throwing a ball and me being a OG of the NFL and being a linebacker who's seen a lot of, seen a lot of quarterbacks throw the ball, some of the best guys ever, Dan Marino, Troy Aikman, Steve Young, and the list goes on and on. And when he was in high school, I was totally impressed and I'm not normally that gun hole on recruits when they first come out, because I'm always, well, let's wait and see. Mm -hmm. But I saw him at a freaking high school camp. And he was, I mean, he was tossing that rock all around. And I'm looking at myself and I always say, trust your eyes. And I trust, I was like, man, this kid is the real deal. Mm -hmm. And flash forward, When he plays against Georgia Tech, and I will always remember this throw, Hunter Renfro on a seven route, and he throws that thing in there. And I'm like, he's the starting quarterback from now on. (laughs) He is. And people were upset. Kelly Bryant, sometimes you just got to do what's best for the team Mm -hmm. and what brings you forward. And you can say, is bias, is prejudice? Nah. It wasn't. That guy can throw the rock, and to me, throwing the football is one of the hardest things in football. It's one of the hardest things, and for him to put it right there, where the receiver can just, I'm just gonna just put my hands out there, and it's gonna be there for me. It's an amazing skill. It's an underrated skill,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and he does it better than a lot of prospects I've seen. This guy is more than hype. Mm-hmm. He's more than hype. It's not us It's not us being Clemson guys. If he was with another team, I would say the same thing. Absolutely. I would, I would say the same thing because I don't hate on S-list. I, You know, I applaud excellence You recognize it. You, you- you, and you have to be able – to recognize it when you see it. Mm-hmm. He is excellent. And it shouldn't be that hard to see. Mm-mm-mm. But no, people want to make up these different things. And they want to say, well, it's not fair. And it, that's that's where they're probably coming from. Well, it's not fair that he missed two games. So So what? Yeah. You know? You're talking about you're talking about you, you're saying the best player, right? I can see if he had like already had eight interceptions or whatever like that. Man, let me tell you something. If Trevor didn't miss those two games, he will be the Heisman front runner, and he still should be the front runner because he's just better than everybody else. For him not to get the Heisman, it's a sham. It's a mistake. Yep, we've seen it before in the past, but definitely
1: would be. And you said you know you talk about recognizing. Like, you know, I use two examples. <clears throat> I watched Joe Burrow play live last year, and that's that cat's different. But the stuff he was doing and where he's putting footballs, uh, that cat was different. And it's just, I was just like, that guy, that guy is good. I mean, you recognize it away. That guy is special. Not everybody can do what Joe Burrow did to Clemson's defense that day, and he was something else. And you know, he's going to be a good, he's going to be a heck of a pro. And you saw that before he tore his ACL. Um, And then, I remember I go back to – I watched him his first high school game at Daniel High School, New Copkins. And he made a play in that game. He was playing safety, actually, and he made a play in that game. And I looked at the guy next to me and I said, he's playing on Sundays. Because you recognize – even in high school, a sophomore in high school, I saw New Copkins was different than anybody I had ever seen. Period. Right. New Copkins, to me, with my own two eyes, is the best high school football player I've ever seen. Okay, right. and, and it's kind of proven as he's gone on to what he's done in the NFL career. But I knew I, him yeah. at 15; he was going to be special.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you, because like you said, you recognize when somebody's different and they're special and they're good at what they do or great at what they do. Well, Trevor Lawrence is in that category with those two guys I just mentioned because you just recognize it right off the bat. Your eyes do not lie to you.
0: Yeah, I, I think sometimes we we want to see fault in it. We, we we're not quite believing in what we're seeing. But I think sometimes you just let it go, you see it. You definitely see it. I mean, you recognize greatness when you see it. Mm-hmm. When I played against John Elway or Dan Marino, I mean, you saw it. It was just there. I mean, you see Malcolm Jordan play live, you're like, wow. You know, just that's just excellence that I'm seeing right now. And I need to appreciate that. It's the same with Trevor Lawrence, man. Trevor Lawrence is excellent in what he does, and he got he's gotten better. Than, I mean, from his freshman year uh, to right now, he's so poised. He understands the game. It, it's hard to really disguise against him because he he understands the game so much, and he makes it seem very easy when you saw tiger woods just they didn't they just makes it seem they make it seem effortless and sometimes you question like are they really that good let me tell you you don't need to question that fact mm-hmm. he is very good and if he doesn't win the husband like we said before it would be a shame it really would be because this guy has put in the work and the effort and people are looking well, well he didn't play two games you know Look at the, look at the stats it's not a stat game it's not a stat award it shouldn't be it's about the outstanding player in college football who's the out who will you pick if you if every team had a draft and those guys were going to get drafted in college football who would be your number one guy you pick we all know the answer we all do. We know it is in our guts. It would be Trevor Lawrence. He would pick Trevor Lawrence over those other guys every day of the week, twice on Sundays. Exactly. And that's what it boils down to. And I'm going to tell you, it's not about a Clemson thing or anything like that. It's about recognizing the best player in college football. He's the best player in college football. I don't care if he missed a game or not. He's still better than all those guys put together. They cannot make the throws he makes. Exactly. Plain and simple.
1: Man, that's great stuff, dude. That's great that's stuff. Fine. I totally agree with you, man, 100%. Uh, what fun, man. I hate that we got to end this, but, you know, unfortunately we do. We have to do that, or we could go on for the next four hours, I think. Um man, Me I and you
0: will. Yeah, We could talk all day, I think. <laughs> we, we could, man. We could talk ball all day. There's no doubt about we could that. Talk. I, I, you know – there's not another guy that likes talking ball as much as you do. And and me and you together, we just like talking the game, man. We just we we love it. We we love it from it's a beauty. It's a it's a, it's art to us. Yeah. It, just, it really is. It's, it's just flows. art to us. It is just something that you never I never get tired of talking about ball. I play ball and all that, but I to talk ball with someone that can talk ball with me,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's amazing. And I'm going to tell you, everybody cannot not talk ball with me. <laughs> I, I no, Will, I honestly don't waste my time talking ball to some people because I feel like I'm in depth when it's about talking about ball. I don't know everything about football. Mm-hmm. I don't know everybody's X's and O's, but I do know the fundamentals of the game. I understand the game. Uh, like, maybe some people don't understand the game, and you understand the game like I understand game, it. And mm-hmm. it's always when you have that kind of kinship, it's, it flows. And I knew we would flow, mm-hmm. I knew it. So, yeah, it's always a privilege talking ball with you, man.
1: Hey, man. Same here, buddy. Well, we're going to get out, man. We're going to, uh, we appreciate everybody listening to us talk football and, we ask that you uh, keep listening and uh, keep listening to our podcast and rating it and all those good things. And we ask that you be back with us next week as we'll – you know, all, it'll probably be an open week, we hope, for Clemson, and we hope they're getting ready for an ACC championship game and we can talk more about that Clemson-Notre Dame game. I think we're probably going to go a whole hour next time, maybe longer, talking about this Notre Dame game because, LeVon, you're as excited as I am about it. And uh, we oh, hope yeah. you guys join us back next week. Uh, for uh, LeVon Kirkland, I'm Will Vandervoort. We'll see you next week on uh, Inside Clemson Football with